to Overtime Hockey Talk. My name is Mark Paul. My co-host, Justin Baker, is joining me via his office in uh, wonderful Metro Detroit. And uh, Justin, welcome to, uh, you know, this is like you're not only working, not working from home. You're now like, I don't know, what is this? Like you're playing from work? Is that what it is? That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Playing from work. Uh, well, on today's show, we are going to begin knocking out the Atlantic Division, our last division. We are, boy, are we up against it. The first Atlantic Division game will be played in less than two hours. So, uh, you know, hey, we, uh, we're we finally, we're going to get all these teams done. It's just, you know, we'll be, we'll be at the wire and that's fine. Uh, we've already made all of our predictions for all the other divisions and no games have been played yet. Uh, and as, as we record this on Wednesday, October 13th at like 5 PM. So, so we're good in that sense. And we are going to start, we're going to do the Boston Bruins, Buffalo Sabres, Detroit Red Wings, and the Florida Panthers on this episode. And, uh, part two will be the remaining teams, the Montreal Canadians, Ottawa Senators, Tampa Bay Lightning, and the Toronto Maple Leafs. So like the mostly Canadian remainders plus the lightning, uh, all right, Justin, we're jumping into the the Boston Bruins. David Krejci retires. Tuka Rask pretty much retire. I don't, you know, who knows what what the deal is with uh, with Tuka Rask, other than he's definitely not on the Bruins right now. He could be maybe in the future, but as of now, we, uh, you know, the amount of money they have devoted to two goaltenders maybe uh, says that they are no Tuka Rask. And they they re-signed Taylor Hall, and that's like the Bruins for for the offseason. Not a whole lot of craziness going on for the Bruins. Uh, really, I guess Taylor Hall, their biggest splash, but losing their second-line center. What do you think of this team? Yeah, the, the question mark is definitely going to be, um, you know, who steps up to fill in David Krejci's, you know, absence, right? Because... I mean, let's face it, when they when they brought in Taylor Hall last year, it looked like there was instant chemistry. They looked very, very good together. And and I actually was kind of happy. I've always been a Taylor Hall fan. I felt bad for him in Edmonton and in New Jersey and, uh, you know, was glad to see him get some sort of success, right, with Boston. He looked like he was getting back to that close to a point-per-game player. Uh, didn't have the best playoffs, but, you know, most of the Bruins didn't either. And uh, now the question mark is who's going to fill in that number two center spot. And right now they've got Charlie Coyle penciled in to, to be that guy. But, you know, at what point, you know, do you say, you know, do you basically, I mean, does he have a short leash at that position, right? Are they going to try to ride him out through the year? Or at some point do they, you know, move up Eric Kala, uh, you know, Trip Frederick, or maybe somebody else on this team to try to, you know, fill that void? Yeah, I mean, that's, hands down the biggest question mark for the Bruins and really the reason why a lot of people are saying, you know, maybe this is the year that the Bruins, uh, they, they take their step backwards. Like eventually this team is going to age out their best players. Now they did bring in Nick Foligno. Nick Foligno can play at the center position. He's kind of that like utility man. He can be put anywhere in the forward position. Uh, always love those guys in fantasy. But, right. <laughs> I mean, he's not going to go out and score you 20 goals. He's not going to produce in a big way. Uh, uh, barring something, you know, something crazy happening with Foligno, I, I don't see him slotting in as a good second-line center. I mean, 
a maybe a very small serviceable second line center, but uh, I, I don't think that that's likely in the long term. I think what you're looking at is let's see how you know can I think that this team is going to be in playoff contention and you know how close uh, you know you get you get to the trade deadline if they're still in it it's almost a certainty they'll go out and they'll try to acquire a center like that's just what they do this is maybe Patrice Bergeron's last year in the NHL like it, he he said I'm not going to negotiate any deals I'm going to see what you know I'm going to see what things feel like after this year if I'm you know what he's going to do so I don't even know if he knows or maybe he does know and he's just not saying anything. You know, we we don't know. Uh, but Patrice Bergeron, UFA at the end of the year, he's not going to get traded. So your only other option is to likely use your first round pick to go and acquire a good asset that you can bring in and take your shot. One, one more shot with this group uh, because you don't know if Bergeron's going to be back next year. Yeah, that is, that's, I mean, that's a question mark, right? And at, at that point, if Bergeron's gone, you got, you know, D- Brad Marchand, who's nearing 35 years old. And I mean, at what point do you just say, okay, cool, let's, let's hit the reset button here. But, no, you know, no. with, that's not, I, that's yeah. not a, the, at least three years away from a oh, reset. Oh, no, no, no. I, I absolutely agree. But I, I was going to say with Taylor Hall, David Posternock, Charlie, you know, McAvoy there, you know, there's absolutely no reason to hit the reset button, but I, I think, you know, uh, Bruins fans are definitely going to miss Patisse Bergeron if he does happen to call it a career at this point. Yeah, I mean, I hope he doesn't. I hope he comes back and keeps keeps on going as much as I hate the Bruins and as much as he's tortured me <laughs> and my, you know, my Leafs fandom. Uh, but... I, I also think we got to look to we got to look at the goaltending when we consider this Bruins team because really I mean for the first time in ten years there's no Tukarask sitting here uh, in net and that is a, a scary prospect. Now Jeremy Swayman has outplayed Linus Allmark who signed a a four year twenty million dollar deal in the off season, but Jeremy Swayman has played much better in the preseason. He was very good last year in 10 regular season games, a 9.45 save percentage and a 1.5 goals against. So he is, you know, he cleaned up for all intents and purposes. He he looks to me like he should be the guy who gets the opportunity, especially since Olmark has really struggled in the preseason. But he's the $5 million man. I, you know, are, are, is it, uh, are we basing it on merit or are we basing it on, you know, he's going to be around longer or, you know, that's uh, that's I guess probably one maybe outside of the second line center. That's the biggest question for this team. Was the goaltender? Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely no doubt. My my number two question for this team, and I I mean I'll I'll say it right now. I think Bruins fans for all the, the shit they gave Tuka Rask, you know, for Game Seven mishaps, how he just he can't win the big game in the playoffs. I think they're sorely going to miss this guy because don't get me wrong, I I I think you know Swayman will eventually you know, be that number one. I think Linus Allmark will be a good, you know, one, a one B goaltender for this team, but they're not going to, I don't, I don't think either one, in my opinion, anyways, either one of these goaltenders is capable of stealing a series per se. They're not going to be that absolutely dominant Vesna trophy type goaltender year in year out. Like Tuka Rask was sure. looks like they, th- um, I mean, to pay a goalie 5 million bucks, you definitely think that he's going to, he's someone who, 
could do well enough to steal you a series. I mean, that's I don't think you're signing somebody for five million bucks if you don't think they're really, really, really good. <laughs> well, I mean, listen, I, I'll, I'll admit it. I think for five million bucks, I think you're expecting a guy who can be a starter and get you in the playoffs, win a few games, you know. Um, and let's face it, I mean, on a Buffalo Sabres team for the last two years, a 9.17, 9.15 save percentage. He was fine. Yeah, he was great. Yeah. So for a, a, just a terrible Buffalo Sabres team, and you're going to now a team that is very good defensively and plays a good two-way game and has the forwards to boot that can score some goals, I think he's he's doing pretty good. So um, I, I suspect we'll, we'll see, if anything, similar numbers out of him, which will be good enough to – to catapult this team into a playoff spot if he puts up that type of production. The other side of this is, of course, well, they're, you know, come playoff time, I suppose there there could be a goaltending controversy. Right now, who like, who cares? Just, just play them a 1A, 1B. Both guys are playing 41 games apiece until otherwise notified, you know, until somebody really just takes control of this thing. I mean, even if someone does take control, you're still looking at probably a a, a 48-34 split. Like, these days, unless you've got someone elite, there's no reason to play a goaltender more than 45, 50 games. It, you no, know, if you, if you have somebody else who's, who is equally or almost as good, you're just bet, like, the rest is what makes that, that 1A goaltender significantly better. When you know when they're getting that rest, so I think you're you're looking at likely a a nice little two headed monster in net for them, and uh, hopefully Allmark can get it together. I mean, it's preseason. Preseason is you know everybody reads into preseason, and and I mean I suppose a couple things for really young players. Preseason can be uh, at least something to go. Oh, they look like they can keep up with the pace. Let's give them an opportunity and find out if they can for real in the regular season. But a guy who's played in the NHL for several years, I mean, he's been he's been playing this is his seventh season in the NHL, Linus Allmark. He he'll he'll be fine. Like he he didn't all of a sudden just get bad. It's just a new team and preseason. So I, I'm willing to to write it off pretty quickly <laughs> for for Allmark. Um what what else anything else for the Boston Bruins? Yeah, I, I would like to say, you know, with Charlie McAvoy being an RFA after this season, is he going to be a top ten defenseman in this league this year? Yeah, I mean, because he could get he, I mean, he could get eight nine million bucks if he is. You know, last year he was really on pace for forty five points, uh, at least yeah, pretty close to it. And in the playoffs, he was more than a point per game player. All right, that's. You're going to get paid if you can do that again. Uh, my guess is they're going to have to give him at least $8 million, right? Yeah, I based, would think so. Based I mean, when off you look what, at what Seth Jones and Warinsky yeah. got, I mean, easily. Now, now, Seth Jones is UFA number, so it's a little different. But, you know, I think you're you're somewhat comparing McAvoy to you're looking at McCarr, you're looking at Quinn Hughes, and you're probably – Based off of because Charlie McAvoy is a better defenseman, like he can play defense. Quinn Hughes uh, still kind of growing into that. Kale McCarr has the leg up on Quinn Hughes and in, in his ability to actually shut down in his own zone. I think you're looking at somewhere in between 
Quinn Hughes and Kale McCarr, like an an eight eight five, and likely for you know probably five five or six years unless he decides you know I want to take a shorter deal and play my cards when the cap goes up and see if I can't get a bigger deal. But I mean, based yeah. off of what he signed the first time, you know, he signs that a four point mil four point nine mil cap hit. And that was back in 2019 when he signed that deal, a three-year deal. Uh, it To me, you know, you think, well, he was willing to take a little bit of a, probably a little bit of a break there. Like he was coming off that good playoff run. And I, I think that you're probably thinking Charlie McAvoy, like, yeah, I'll take a little bit less now because I want to, I want to fit under the cap with this really good team. Of course they go to the Stanley cup finals in that year. And, now he's in this position where you know he he wants to get paid. Bergeron is not going to probably get paid as much. Uh, there's there's definitely openings for someone to be paid significant amount of money in Boston. I mean, he's definitely going to be the highest paid player on the Bruins after next year, or so, you know whenever he signs the extension. No, I agree. I think you know until David Pasternak gets his extension. He'll be the highest paid player. No right, doubt. right. Yeah. Pasternak, of course, he'll get, if he resigns in Boston, it'll be a absolute monster of a deal. Uh, likely 10, probably somewhere in the nine, 10 million, you know, unless the Bruins, the Bruins seem to be able to convince everybody, you know, <laughs> Hey, we're not putting anything more than a six in front of your, for any of your name there. Uh, okay. Boston Bruins. I think we're, uh, we're good on them. Uh, I would like one, one other thought I would like to see, Eric Howla kind of returned to that. I think I think we all look at that Vegas season in 17-18 and you're like, man, that guy put up almost 30 goals, 55 points, and since then in three regular seasons. Now granted he only he only played, you know, 106 games. But in those 106 games, he put up like 50 points. <laughs> so you're like, oh, yeah, we want to see him return to that uh, that big number, and maybe you know, maybe he's the unexpected kind of guy for uh, for the Bruins. He did play really well in the playoffs last year, had four points in those six games for the Preds. So Eric Howla could be that guy who kind of flies under the radar and ends up having a really nice season for the Bruins because there's openings for him to uh, to move up in the lineup. All right. Buffalo Sabers. Oh, this one's going to be rough. This this one's uh, this one's really fun. You know, it's a really good team. Really like uh, really like what they've been doing the last few years. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So obviously the elephant in the room, Jack Eichel can't get his surgery. It's the most freaking ridiculous thing that I've ever heard. The Buffalo Sabers should be ashamed. Every like everyone involved on the ownership side. Just it makes me not like not not like Buffalo Sabres fans, but like the Buffalo Sabres organization as a whole. It makes me just go, well, it's no wonder you guys lost because you're a bunch of dicks. Like the guy doesn't want to get his get his discs fused together because he doesn't want to be 50 years old hobbling around and trying to like just limping everywhere. Like it's just a terrible surgery. I know people who've had it and. Yeah, it makes it so they're not in pain, but they like can't do anything uh, later in their life. They're just 
their flexibility is, is way down. So, I mean, obviously the surgery that he needs to get is, it's so weird to me that they're not willing to just bend and let the guy do what he wants to do. But anyways, uh, so you've got that looming. Maybe he, maybe they let him get the surgery and maybe he comes back and plays for the Sabres until they can trade him and can get his trade value up. Or do they just, you know, find somebody who's willing to take the risk with what he's got going on and, and make the trade, make it based off of uh, a lot of contingencies, you know, maybe some, it becomes a, it's a third round pick becomes a first round pick. If he does this and that, and I don't know, I don't know where you go, but I mean, other than that, there really is just absolutely nothing <laughs> going on here in, in Buffalo. I, I think this team is going to be the lottery of all lottery teams <laughs> might be the yeah. worst team they like are we like i think i think we're going like can over under can they win more games than the atlanta thrashers won in 1999 when they were a a, a first year expansion team with patrick stefan leading the way patrick stefan oh man uh yeah so to touch on jack eichel you know this is this is definitely an interesting situation and i mean this one's been beaten to death by just about every writer this summer uh there's no doubt in my mind that uh he gets moved before he's healthy enough to play now um rumor is you know according to some some writers out there that apparently the ducks and the flames seem to be the front runners because they are willing to listen to jack eichel and what he wants to do as far as you know you know repair is concerned on his neck and i mean let's face it i think buffalo now is entertaining the idea of all these conditional picks conditional terms of a contract because let's face it i mean he's got 50 million dollars you know left in 10 10 million aav over the next five years left on his contract and that's not an easy chunk of change for a team to just take on when they don't know how he's going to be after you know whatever kind of surgery or repairs he does now Granted, I think he'll, you know, if he gets the surgery or the repairs he wants, I think he's more than capable of coming back, you know, after some rehab and he'll be just as good as he was before. Now, you know, with that said, I mean, you know, Anaheim and Calgary seem to be the front runners, teams willing to, to pay up and they've got the prospects, the picks to do it. And uh, me right now, from what I hear, I, I heard Jack Eichel say that he wants to play on the West Coast, that he would love that. So I honestly would love to see the Ducks. Um, make a move here now again granted i don't know what's going to happen i don't know if they're willing to give up the pieces or buffalo even is willing to lower their asking price a little bit but really that's that's going to be the storyline for the buffalo sabers it's going to be that and how many wins can they get this year that's going to be the mantra all year long i mean i you and i have talked about it at nauseum but they probably have the worst goaltending tandem in the nhl and i feel bad for I feel bad for Craig Anderson because this is a guy who has had a good career, is a good goaltender, seemingly comes out of retirement to to be the starter for Buffalo and is just going to get crapped on every night. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's very interesting that they've decided to go in with, uh, you know, they're only spending one less than $1.5 million on their goalies. <laughs> it's actually a li- like this might be the worst goaltending tandem ever. It, like, find me a word, you know, maybe, you know, hop back to the 80s and you'll probably find one. But I I don't see how this is going to go over very well. Like, they they very well might be allowing four goals a game 
when this yeah. like they are gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be rough. Uh, Dustin Tokarski, he played in thirteen games last year. Uh, three four five four goals against the nine oh four save percentage. Like I mean, he's you know he's doing a slightly below average job there, but I mean the rest of the team is just not gonna just not good. Like this is this is gonna be a disaster. But at the same time, I mean we know they're going for Shane Wright. I mean this is the the last thing that I read about Shane Wright was that. If you take Shane Wright and you put him against all the other top prospects from the last 10 years, he's below Connor McDavid, but above Jack Eichel and above Austin Matthews. He's a more complete player than the both of them. So, I mean, you're talking like here, you know, here comes a gen, basically a generational player. Uh, And so, yeah, tank for Shane Wright and see if you can, snag him. I mean that there's only a 20 what a 20% chance that you get him even if you finish last. Uh, I know there's a couple other good really good players in that draft too, but no one's anywhere close to Shane Wright. And but again, it, so what? The Sabres get him. What does it even mean for the Sabres at this point? Like they they just something needs to really change here and it seems to me to be something beyond just oh yeah, they're just not constructed right. Like I, I don't believe that. I, I think there's something deeper going on with this organization. I, I don't see them winning for a long, long time. As in, like, maybe they need to have new ownership or some something drastic needs to, to change there because it just doesn't seem to be working. But good yeah, luck tanking. And, yeah, so the odds at the number one pick are 16.6%. Oh, 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 yeah, it went down even further, didn't it? Yeah, even worse. I mean, so the odds of them actually getting it are not very, very good. So they could miss out on Shane Wright and still be the worst team next year and the year after that. That's that's very true. And the year after that and the year after that. Like, that's how that's how brutal this looks. Uh, I guess. Okay, Upside. Like, is there anything that, you know, I guess I guess I'm looking at Casey Middlestat. I'd like to see if he can you know, kind of rise to the occasion. He's going to get the opportunity to be a number one center. Uh, You know, Victor Olofsson, can he return to that uh, heavy power play scoring? Like he had 13 goals last year, 20 the year before though, in fewer games, you know, where, where does he end up landing? Can he hit 20, 25 again? Uh, At this point, if you're on the Sabres, you've got to kind of be thinking like, yes, like we're all in this together. But at the same time, I would really like to uh, up my, my value and maybe the Sabres will trade me if I'm doing too well. That's what I'd be shooting for. (laughs) Uh, Any chance Jeff Skinner, it does anything like, is is anything going to happen with it? Like, is he just going to kind of float and be, uh, you know, this 20 point guy now or, no, you know what? I actually, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give an over under here, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna say maybe let's go 35 points this year. I could, yeah, I could go 35. Um, and he's he literally has no one to play with, but exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, uh, okay. Well, good luck to the to the Buffalo Sabers. Good luck to the fans. Um, my recommendation: strong, strong, like. Find a girlfriend team. That's what you need. 
You might need two to make up for the season you're about to go through. So the girlfriend team all the way, uh, just you know, decide who you want to root for. Maybe someone on the on the West Coast or you know, whatever, but yeah. and someone in the Metro, you know, so it's not so uh, not so close to home. Go out and you know find find some team that you can you can root for. That's what I would suggest. Uh, trust me, go. I'm a Leafs fan. I I know all about girlfriend teams. <laughs> all right. Uh, speaking of teams that you might need a girlfriend team, the Detroit Red Wings are up next in our Atlantic Division preview. Justin, take it away. This is your team. Talk to me about your expectations for this season, and uh, and you know what, how you see things playing out. Yeah, um, I mean, let's be honest. I was excited to get a full season of Verona, and that was just cut short, right? Yeah, it's tough. Um, yeah, that's that's the storyline going in. It's it's going to hurt four months, no Verona. But on the flip side of that, the the kind of silver lining in that that roster spot available. Now we get to see Lucas Raymond, right? The high scoring draft pick winger uh, drafted number four overall in 2020. Now he's going to get a full time spot on that top line next to Tyler Bertuzzi and Dylan Larkin. So he's going to have every opportunity to prove that he's worth that number four pick. And I think he's going to flourish. I think he's going to look great. Probably, uh, I don't know. I'll go between 35 and 45 points for him this year. Um, you know, which is, would be, I mean, very, very good. All things considered, he's still 19 years old. So, um, you know, maybe 15 goals for him, 20 goals would be great. Um, we'll see how he does playing on that top line. Now, again, that's going to be the storyline with, with this team too, right? The young guys getting opportunities, you know, uh, Maurice Snyder, the number six overall pick Eiserman's first ever draft pick shocked everybody, right? Goes last year and wins defenseman of the year over in Europe, uh, looked very, very good. And so he gets, you know, basically he's going to be paired up with Nick Letty for the entire year on his right side. So good. I love, I love it. I love him playing with Nick Letty. Oh, it's, it's a beautiful, like that, that trade to acquire Nick Letty. So good. I like just genius to, uh, to surround him with someone who is cerebral and, and isn't going to get caught out of position. I, I, I absolutely love it. Yeah, and that's the thing. Maury Schneider's not going to be your Quinn Hughes type, you know, point producing defender. He's a big guy. I mean, he's he's what six foot three, two hundred eight pounds. He knows how to lay the body, but he can also move his feet very, very well. And you know, again, over in Europe when he was playing in in the SHL last year, he did a very good job of controlling the puck, getting it out of his own quickly with one pass, and you know, didn't really make a lot of defensive mistakes. And so, again, the theme, the young guys, right? Philip Sedina is going to get a full season being in the top six. You're going to see a guy like Michael Rasmussen play third-line center. Pius Suter, who I was just shocked that the Chicago Blackhawks let him go after just what was a, a fantastic year last year, 27 points and 55 games for his first season in the NHL. And they basically said, well, no, we're, we're good. We're not going to sign you. And, again, I don't know if it was – a you know, situation much like, you know, Nedeljkovic where the team just didn't want to put up the money. But I mean, at $3.25 million for a guy who is essentially going to be your number two center, 40 that's points. a risk. Yeah. 40, 45 point. Yeah. Guy, it's yeah. a risk worth willing to take. And, you know, I mean, again, we've got two years of him signed that could turn out to be very good. So, you know, again, there's just, 
this team is going to obviously, you know, finish towards the bottom of the division, but it's going to be a lot of opportunity for younger guys to really see what you've got there. And uh, I can't remember what specific article it was, but they were ranking the, you know, the prospect pools for all the NHL teams. And they put Detroit in at number two because of guys like Zadina, Raymond, Schneider, you know, coming in. And so I think this team has got a bright future, but there's going to be some growing pains again this year. You know, I think they're going to, they're going to battle. They're going to compete every night, but ultimately they're going to, you know, probably come out the loser more often than none. And, you know, again, we'll, we'll see them, you know, compete, but ultimately I think they'll finish towards the bottom of this division. Who's more likely to win the Calder, Maurice Sider or Lucas Raymond? You know, to be honest, I think the flashiness of Lucas Raymond will attract more people. I think, you know, Sider is a very calm, just steady defenseman, much like, I mean, I don't want to compare him to this because he's definitely not that, but Nick Lindstrom was never flashy. He was just steady and really, you know, you knew when he was on the ice, he didn't have to do much, but he always shut other people down. And I think that's what you're going to get out of Sider as far as, you know, that presence on the ice. He's not going to be all over the place. I think Lucas Raymond is going to be flashy. He's a goal scorer. It's something that the fans here in Detroit that are going to really love to see. And, you know, again, I think, you know, goals usually, I mean, goals usually win it out unless you're just a number one, you know, defender like a guy like Aaron Eckblad was for the Florida Panthers. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, if there's one guy who I look to to have a nice season, like, you know, if I'm thinking fantasy, I, I think that, Dylan Larkin has a really nice bounce back year. I mean, it was we're two years now removed from uh, his 2018-19 season where he put up almost a point per game, 73 points in 76 games, and had 32 goals. I I don't see the 32 goals, but I think that he could put up. He'll put up over 60 points this year because of the talent around him. He's finally, even though they're young, I, and I think they're going to give up some some goals I think some nights there's going to be a lot of goals against on the Red Wings but uh, I I also think they're going to have some high scoring games because of the way that they're going to play and, and open things up like there's they, they've got some talent so they can actually you know the power play is going to look better and I think that is going to result in Dylan Larkin picking up some more points and it's going to at very least going into next offseason there's going to be some like, okay, Dylan Larkin, we could either trade him, you know, as a UFA or we can sign him to a, a long-term deal. I mean, it's it's a tough it's a tough position to be in for Larkin because you're still likely three years away from being, you know, at this point, three years away from being probably even a playoff team, uh, maybe longer, three or four years. So, you know, do you want to do you want to spend? You know, by that point, he's twenty seven. Do you want to spend your twenty eight, twenty nine, thirty, just kind of scraping by, or do you want to go somewhere where you can actually win at that point? So that it's going to be a an interesting position come that point. And I think this season could go a long way to building his value back because right now, you know, he's like a forty point. You know, based on last year, he'd be like forty five point guy, barely twenty goals. Uh, but if he can go have a really nice season, maybe it puts him in a position where Detroit says, you know, we can get a lot for him and it's worth giving him up. You know, I, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, personally, Dylan Larkin is going to get an eight-year extension. I, I don't see him going anywhere. He's from Waterford, Michigan. He's a local kid. He grew up watching Steve Eiserman struggle 
well, I, I shouldn't say struggle because when he was born, they were already in the playoffs in 96. But, um, you know, he, he's got that that mentor, Steve Eisenman, of a guy who was a captain who was with a struggling Red Wings team for so long before they finally hoisted the, the ultimate prize. And so I think, you know, Larkin's got a good example of a guy to look to and say, okay, cool, I can tough it out. We're building, we're going in the right direction. I think as long as this Red Wing team keeps evolving in the right ways, you know, he'll be willing to sign that eight-year deal. Now, uh, you know, one thing that we, we forget about is there's another guy on this team by the name of Tyler Bertuzzi who, you know, last year, seven points in nine games looked like he was going to be a solid contributor and, you know, really help boost this team. And then, of course, gets injured. And so I think, you know, Dylan Larkin's injuries over the last couple of years, and now you get a full season of Tyler Bertuzzi and a healthy Larkin. I think this top line is just going to be phenomenal to watch every night. Yeah, they're going to be fun. They're yeah. going to be fun. It, like, they're actually worth going and, like, paying money to go see. <laughs> yeah. Now, now, I'm sorry for the Canadian fans who won't get to see him because he can't travel to Canada. I think he's one of only four players. Bertuzzi is now yep. uh, to not get vaccinated. Yeah, it's like Bertuzzi, Mackenzie Blackwood. Um, I'm not sure who the other two are, but I know. Yeah, now Mackenzie Blackwood is still in that two week phase. So technically, I mean, he will be in a week or. Oh, he, he ended so. up. He ended up doing yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. But still, I mean, nine games without him. I mean, again, if this was a playoff team, a contending team, yeah, that would definitely be something to really raise an eyebrow at, or, you know, maybe, you know, in the locker room that might be a little uh, disruptive, but all things considered, I think, you know, who cares at this point, you know, yeah, right. Um, you know, just hopefully when he is playing, he's, he's playing really well with Dylan Larkin and things continue to, to get better for this team. And that, I mean, who knows, maybe some of those rules adjust a little bit sure. you know, as we, as we get further and further along. Um, there's uh <laughs> definitely more def- like Tyler Bertuzzi is so far down the, down the, the list of athletes to care about because you got Kyrie <laughs> Irving, who's just, you know, he can't play in like 45 games for the Brooklyn Nets because he can't play any home games because <laughs> he can't play in New York. Right. So good luck with that. Um, I am curious about that, though. Like if he's not if Kyrie Irving isn't allowed to play in New York, does that mean that Tyler Bertuzzi also can't play in New York and Kyrie Irving can't play in L.A.? Does that mean that Bertuzzi can't play in L.A.? Like, is it more than the Canadian teams? I don't I don't know. I don't know if it's an NBA rule or if it's like a – I thought that it was some kind of like local local law. So Bertuzzi might miss more than just the nine games. It might be, you know, it might be more like 15 when all is said and done. So we'll, we'll see how that all pans out. Uh, any final thoughts with, with this Detroit team? Yeah, I guess the, the one thing we didn't really touch on – uh, just to hit it quick is, you know, Alex Nedeljkovich, $3 million for two years. Eisenman willing to pony up the money that Carolina wouldn't. And so uh, hopefully, again, hopefully this team is good enough in front of him where he can continue to have some good years ahead of him because I would love to see this guy be the goaltender of the future for the Red Wings. Cool. Uh, any chance we see Joe Valeno up on the Red Wings this year? Yeah, absolutely. He's he's going to be the go-to guy in Grand Rapids, and I think the minute there's an injury in a roster spot, especially at the center role, he'll be up. At, at, assuming it's at least a top nine, you know, role. Right, if he's right, a fourth right. line guy, then no. But uh, yeah, if he can get top nine minutes and maybe some power play minutes, they'll bring him up for sure. Okay. Yeah. I mean, if you you know if you consider there there's some potential there with Villano, especially you consider his uh, his pedigree. He's one of like six, five or six players in Canadian hockey 
uh, juniors that got his 15 year old exemption. Like he's up there with McDavid and Ekblad and Shane Wright. Like these are very good players. I mean, there's, there's something there for Valeno. Now I, I don't think that he's going to be a, a superstar in the NHL, but definitely I think he has the opportunity to come in and, and, be an impact player for the Red Wings for years to come. So he's someone to, to keep keep an eye on, and they're going to keep on letting him marinate down in the in junior or in the minors right now, which I think is smart. Like you don't need him a center. Like it's one thing. Lucas Raymond, Philip Zadina, these are wingers. Like you can throw those guys out there, and you can they can pick up on it quick. A center, a guy who potentially you're hoping is going to be one of your top two centers. You want that guy to be seasoned because the center position is much more difficult to just get thrown into in the NHL. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, well, if uh, if you deem us completed on, on the Red Wings preview, we'll move on to the Florida Panthers. Uh, you've left me satisfied. Okay. <laughs> well, wow. That's a, that makes me feel good. Uh, okay. The, uh, the Florida Panthers. This is the like the sexy pick for uh, for the Stanley Cup. You know, they're the team that everybody wants to be really good and like have a deep run because here they are. They're good now. The Florida Panthers have expectations and they have a healthy Aaron Ekblad back along with the potential Calder Cup or Calder Trophy candidate Spencer Knight in goal to uh, I I guess he has Sergei Bobrovsky as his backup, right? His $10 million backup. Yeah. <laughs> what, uh, let's, let's talk forward position because Alex Barkov just signed an eight year, $80 million extension, which is fantastic. Glad that he's, he's staying in Florida. I think that was, that was a great deal. Um, they go out, they acquire Sam Reinhart and they keep Sam Bennett. They sign him to an extension this team appears to be ready to roll, especially since they brought in, they finally got a replacement for Yermir Yager by bringing in Joe Thornton. <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned his name. Oh, Joe Thornton. I, I'm, you know what? This is a team that when you look at this Ford group outside of Patrick Hornquist, there's, there's a lot of young guys on this group, right? I mean, I don't think outside of Hornquist and Thornton, there's anybody over the age of 30 in this Ford group. So, um, you got to be excited about that if you're a Florida Panthers well, fan. Well, Joe Thornton. Right. <laughs> That's yeah, it. Yeah. 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 And Patrick Hornquist, those are the only two guys over 30 years old. So, again, you're excited if you're a, you know, if you're a Florida Panthers fan because, one, you got Barkoff locked up. I mean, he's as good as a two-way center as there is in the league, the reigning Selkie winner. Um, obviously, you know, Huberdeau is going to command a near close to that salary or if not the same salary when he's a – you know, UFA in two years or eligible to re-sign next year. And you've got Sam Reinhardt, Sam Bennett all locked up for reasonable contracts. I think those those two guys are going to be very, very good complementary pieces on their top six. And then, you, you know, you've got younger guys too, like Anton Lundell, Owen Tippett, who really contribute and I think are young enough. Carter Verhege, um, you know, these guys are really going to be able to, you know, put out a good group of top nine forwards that can really compete, I think, with just about any top nine in the NHL, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I love their forward group. I mean, Carter Verhage, he was on pace for almost a 70-point season last year, a 30-goal year. Uh, 
what? Oh, so he put up 36 points in 43 games. Uh, he had never, like the year before, he had 13 points in 52 games with a with a really good Lightning team. Uh, where do you put his? You know, like, let's let's go over under 60 points for Carter Verhage. Yeah, I'll take the under on that. Um, again, it, it usually boils down to opportunity, right? And I think, you know, with the Panthers bringing in Reinhardt and Sam Bennett for full, you know, seasons now, um, you know, his ice time is probably going to go down. I think you're you're going to see him. Uh, you know, right now they've got him slated on the top line with Barkoff and Reinhardt and, you know, Huberdeau and Sam Bennett on that second line. But, um, you know, hey, I, there's another guy, Anthony Duclair, who could potentially steal some ice time. Uh, Patrick Hornquist, you know. Yeah, they're just so deep at the forward yeah. position. Yeah, And that's the thing. Um, so if he can sustain some top six minutes with this forward group, I think there's, there's definitely a chance you're going to see him between 50 and 60 points without a doubt. Now, let's uh, let's – scoot back to the to the defensive side of this obviously losing Ekblad was a big blow last year and maybe some of the reason that they couldn't squeeze by Tampa I mean you add in Ekblad the way that they were able to play against the Lightning in those six games I I mean it's not out of the realm of possibility to think that with a number one defenseman added to that lineup they would have been better right like that's that's not that crazy of a thought uh they no longer have Keith Yandel and you know, we're they, they, they re up Brandon Montour. So and not too much of a different defensive look. Uh, they acquire Ole Levy, but what, what are your expectations out of this defense? Like who's going to play where, because there's kind of a lot of maybe like number four, number five guys behind Ekblad and Weaker. Yeah, that's the question mark, right? Is who beyond those two guys is really going to step up and be your your top guys? Obviously, you're going to see Weger and Ekblad out there together, probably close to 27, 28 minutes a night with without fail. Um, what I'm expecting is a guy like uh, Brandon Montour, a guy like um, Ole Ulevi to really step in that are going to be those five and six defensemen to really step up and, you know, round out that depth a little bit more because again if, if they want to be successful they need those guys to shut down other teams they need those guys to really uh contribute and not just be you know quick fillers to get you know Ekblad and, and Uyghur a quick breather really um you know and again Gustav Forsberg uh you know what are you going to get out of him are you going to still see another you know decent solid season he's more of a defensive defenseman so you're not going to get production from him and so my question is, you know, who brings that that power play, uh, that second power play unit defense that maybe they're going to miss from Keith Yandel being gone now at this point? Yeah, and that you know that's the that's the big question mark. I mean, and and here we go. Can Aaron Ekblad stay healthy? I mean, at this point, right. he he has had you know there's been a couple times where he's gotten injured, and and I mean last year, like what are you going to do? Uh, but if he can stay healthy, they're they're probably in a great spot. Like, d- defensively, they might not have the strongest defense, especially when when you compare them to other teams in the Atlantic. Uh, I don't. Th- I think that they're probably very comparable to the Boston Bruins. You know, you've got your top guy, Ekblad, McAvoy. You've got your secondary guys like a Brandon Carlo, Matt Grizzlick, and we'll compare those guys to Montour and Uyghur. And then you can kind of drop throughout the lineup and you'll find guys who can, they can 
play up and down. Maybe not the greatest four or five guys, but uh, but they'll get the job done because of the forwards up front and because of a team defensive structure. Uh, you know, you've got the guy who practically could win the Selkie every single year. If it weren't for Bergeron, Barkov would win it probably every year, right? Like that's just yeah, he's that good. They're they're a very similar structure of teams when you compare the Bruins to the to the Panthers. Uh, you know, you've got your Selkie Trophy guy centering the way. You've got a a good top defenseman, and then lots of other decent guys underneath. Uh, it's it's a similar you know similar construction. You know, they've got Taylor Hall and and uh, Pasternak. The the Panthers have Huberdo now Reinhardt. They you know everything's kind of spread out. I I but the difference is I like the Panthers top nine forwards far better than the collection of the Bruins. And that's because they're much more up and coming, you know, whereas maybe three years ago, uh, the Bruins had a much better top nine. So, but the Florida Panthers, I, I mean, get, don't, we'll, we'll do playoff predictions after part two, but is this team go, are they going to be better than they were last year? Do we see a slight regression? Are they, you know, similar to where they were, but maybe, maybe just a little bit different. What, what's your take on how they are going to pan out this year? Yeah, I think when you get a full season of Aaron Eckblad, Sam Reinhart, Sam Bennett here, and then you potentially get you know a, a few more games out of Spencer Knight than you did last year, I think it, it all looks great. And it, you can't go anywhere but up if you're this team right now. So uh, to me, I, I think they finish and do better than they, than they did last year. All right. The Florida Panthers. Also, side note, I do really like Radko Gudis. Like, he just brings something to the table that that uh, very few do, and I, I mean I know he signed there last off season, but I think given a, a full entire year with this team, uh, I mean, he obviously he's not going to put up tons of points, but Radko Gudis is somebody who can definitely mix things up, protects a lot of those uh, those superstar players that are on the Panthers. So I. I I can appreciate what he can bring to the table that not a lot of teams have a Radko Gudis, whether it be at the forward or defensive position, a guy who's just kind of that question mark. Like, I don't know. He might do something that gets him suspended, but I don't want to be the guy that <laughs> that has that experience uh, with him. So I, he's, he'll definitely keep you honest out there too. Okay. Uh, that is it for part one of the Atlantic Division. Tune into part two. Just just head on right over. Listen to it right now because, uh, you know, what else are you going to do? You can also find us on Twitter at OT Hockey Talk. We will talk to you guys soon, and uh, we'll head over to part two.
you think? What do you let, let's give a Brady Kachuk prediction here? Maybe maybe I, it'll, maybe we'll get it before the show. Uh, are are we thinking seven million? Eight yeah, million? I think he's gonna get he's gonna get Pedersen money. I think is what he's gonna get. I, Three years, seven million bucks. I'm like wondering that. if he gets eight million bucks because you know why? Because the GM you know of uh, of Ottawa comes out Pierre Dorian and he says we're no longer in a rebuild. And Brady Kachuk's got to go, bro. You, if you don't <laughs> give me my money, you're gonna be like a rebuilding team. So <laughs> you better you better pay me. I mean, they have the cap space to do it. It's not like their their most expensive forward is Drake Batherson under five million dollars. So it's it's not as if they can't afford to pay him. And frankly, I don't think at least under under the NHL cap, maybe there's a an internal cap that that we uh, don't know about. But I mean, you're just not going to pay him more than Shabbat, you know. Probably if if you pay him eight million, it's it's eight million solid, just like Shabbat. Uh, but we shall see, won't we? Can't wait. All right. Well, that is our show. You can find us on Twitter at OT Hockey Talk. Let us know what you thought, and we will get with you soon. Have a good rest of your day.